So over 17 years ago now, uh, Lisa and I were in the hospital welcoming, welcoming our daughter Julia into the world. Prior to that, our first uh, experience in pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And before that, we had had trouble even getting pregnant, so we weren't sure. You know, we went to the doctors, did all those things, waited, waited, waited. So to lose our first was really hard for us. Um, and then when we were pregnant with Julia, there was that reality that kind of stuck, right? Like, do we rejoice or do we be anxious, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of holding both of those in our hands. Um, but, lo and behold, Lisa went into labor at full term, mm -hmm. stayed in labor for a good 24 hours. <laughs> um, and then, uh, at Julia's actual birth, there were some complications. And at that moment, I, don't, I think for both of us, it's just like our hearts went into our throats, right? Like, both of us had that thought, is this, is she going to make it? Right? Because the doctor swept her away. We didn't know what was going on. We could kind of see and hear what was going on. They were in the same room. And we're just waiting. You can imagine in a scene like that, I'm sure you all have experienced similar kinds of places where you're just kind of in the throes of it. Right? What do you pray? How do you go before our Father and how do you, what do you say, right? What I said was what I wanted the most, right? Oh, Lord, please let Julia be okay, right? That's what was on my heart. And that makes sense. In times of intensity, our prayers reflect what we want the most. Thankfully, one of the best moments of our lives was when Dr. Russ brought Julia over to Lisa in the, in the bed, who's completely exhausted, laid her down on her bosom and said the words, She's perfect. Aww. And we just both lost it. <laughs> we're celebrating Eastertide today as the last Sunday where the ascension of Jesus is in focus. The reading of the Gospels this week in the lectionary um, is John 17. It's his prayer. It's Jesus at a similar time that Lisa and I were at where he is facing the most horrific possibility that he knew was coming, but now it's real. He's tasting it. He knows it's going to happen. And he comes before the Father, and he prays. And so I often ask, when I come to this, what does Jesus want? I, this is the heart of Jesus, like just poured out to God in the moment of most extreme trial. And what does he want? So I'm going to read part of John 17. Actually, just the first verse, if I can find it. Listen to how Jesus starts his prayer. Right? After saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he can give glory back to you. That's where he starts. Right? For me, it was, God, let Julia be okay. For him, it's glorify the Son that he might give glory back to you. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm scared. Help me not to be. Yeah, you could, you could see it like that, right? Like, God, like, help me not to crumble here, right? But the rest of the prayer kind of starts revealing what he's asking. I'll get to that in a minute. But it's interesting that this is the first thing that comes to Jesus' mind when he comes before his Father 
and he's asking for what he wants, on the night before he knows he's going to be arrested, mocked, spit on, hit, ridiculed, accused, arrested, tortured, and killed in a public way. I would not be thinking of glory. <laughs> What's the glory that Jesus is asking for? What does he want from the Father? What comes to mind when you think about the word glory? I'd love to hear anybody. Just what comes to mind? Praise. Recognition. Praise, recognition. Sports. Sports, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Musicians, celebrities, political leaders, people who achieve great things, right? Um, Miles and I both, we like to watch these videos in the morning, but one of them is about SpaceX and you know, things that are going on. I still remember he and I watched when the first Dragon Crew capsule took off successfully with people in it, went to the International Space Station and docked. And I remember every time, like every 10 minutes or so on that live stream, they would go and look at who? Elon Musk, right? So about every 10 minutes or so, it would show him. Come back, show him. Why? Because he's the guy who has all the glory in bringing this space capsule up to the thing and re-establishing the American uh, space, space uh, yeah. race and all of that kind of stuff, right? Elon gets the glory, right? Even though thousands and thousands and thousands of people made that happen, we often ascribe glory, right, to the, to the highest person on the road. Often I think we can see that in terms of thinking about God in Scripture, too, right? God's the creator. He's the warrior. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. Uh, he's the one who brings uh, light into the temple. He establishes himself there. He brings supernatural events like with Elijah on the altar on Mar Mount Carmel, right? Yeah. That's the kind of glory we think of. And it's not wrong to think about that. God deserves that kind of glory, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, though, here, I'll read the whole thing. But it says here in verse 5, now, Father, bring me into the glory. This is a really interesting phrase. We shared before the world began. This implies there's no audience. There's nobody there to say, oh, look at that. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together. And they are sharing in glory. This is what Jesus is wanting right now, in this moment. And I want us to look a little bit more into that. I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read it with a little bit of, not again, but for the first time, I'm going to read the 11 verses of the prayer. And I'm going to put a little bit of emphasis into it. I want you to think about the word share as I read this prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one. You have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave to me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. Yeah. 
all who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united, just as we are. Do you hear that? Do you hear the sharing in there? I think this is the, the essence of what Jesus is getting after here. Is that the glory of God is centered not in pointing this way. It's centered in pointing this way. It's in sharing. It's in giving. The nature of God, John says later in 1 John, is that God is love. love. And love is always seeking the other. And so if you can imagine before the creation of the world, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what are they doing? They're giving to each other constantly. There's a mutual love and giving. The nature of God is to take what's God's and give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's what creation is. Right. We live in a gift. Yes. And we were given each other as that gift. Yes. And we screwed it up royally. <laughs> right out the right? Back. The very first sin was turning the pointer this way and it went this way. And we brought that corruption into this creation. And it's frustrating. Jesus is seeing another way, even as he is about to be given for us. So the love can continue. Yes. He wants love to actually win the day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he sees the enemy and all the, the havoc he's wreaked. So the another, in this case, that Jesus is focusing on in this prayer now, it turns out to be you and me. Mm. Immediately it's his disciples but it turns out in the long run to be the whole world. It's us. So the glory of a president, right? Think of the glory of a president. We've, we've had some interesting ways of seeing that in our recent history, right? But the glory of a president should be a nation that flourishes. Correct. Right? Correct. The glory of a parent should be children that thrive yeah. and find their place in the world. The glory of a butler should be a household, right? Mm -hmm. That's glorious and functioning. The glory of an engineer should be right? a bridge that's both beautiful and, and functional. You can drive across it and not fear for your life. Right? <laughs> Irenaeus, who's one of the first people to put pen to paper after the uh, original scriptures that we have, he's one of the early church fathers, he wrote this phrase, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. Amen. Right? Amen. Yeah, because what brings glory to God is that what he gave gives back to him. Yeah. And the only way that can happen is if we're actually functioning the way we were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And right now we are broken and bent and we need a way out. And this is what Jesus wants. He wants to give that way out. The glory of Jesus in this passage is eternal life for his children. That's what he wants to give. You've given me authority over, over everyone, I give eternal life to all of those that you've given to me. That's what he wants to give. And the eternal life, it's not a disembodied go away out into outer space somewhere that we don't quite know where that is and live forever in some kind of mutual bliss, but it's the relationship of intimacy with God. 
The way to have eternal life is to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to her. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia has the way he ends the story. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, literature passages, but it's the culmination of what Aslan has been kind of going at all along. Aslan is like the Christ figure in the story. But he invites the children into this place, and they're actually following dogs, which I, I think is funny, right? Because dogs kind of know what's right more than we do most of the time. But these dogs are running ahead of these kids and saying, come, further up and further in. And they keep going, and the dogs keep saying, further up and further in, further up and further in. And the idea that he's getting at here is that eternal life is that it gets better and better and better Amen. and better. Amen. It never gets worse. It, and we can't imagine that in a world that's decaying, right? Uh, just this morning, I was waking up excited, like, oh, it's a nice early, late spring day, and I, I thought of winter. <laughs> I thought of plowing the driveway. I'm like, what the heck, right? But that's where we, we live in a decaying uh, creation. Um, it's not always right. Jesus' glory, what he wants, is he wants to entrust his life into God's hands so that he can take on our death Amen. and give it to God yeah. who will bring it to life. He wants to share in us, even in our messiness. So he's not trying to keep his distance from us. He knows, right? He knows. As he's facing the cross, he knows that all that he's seen as a man walking on this earth the strife, the hunger, the disease, the injustice, the pride, the bad choices, all that kind of stuff. He knows that is going to be thrown onto him. Mm -hmm. And he's willing to go there. I want you to think about Jesus in this. Um, not as praying. Like often we can read scripture like this. I want you to hear his emotion. He is all in here. He's not dispassionate. He is completely wrapped up. Think of Lisa and I waiting for Julia. We're not like, well, I hope this comes through. <laughs> We're all in. We are all in. And I can imagine Jesus with the Father right now saying, I want this glory. This is what I want. Because if this happens, then you can take my kids and bring them to me and say they're perfect. Yeah. Where right now I know they're not. I want us to experience Jesus' emotions here. Mm -hmm. This is what he wants. He wants you. Amen. And that means we can bring our messiness to him. He's not looking for a put-together product to bring to the Father. <laughs> he already knows what he's bringing. He already knows why he became a human being. And so often, I think, we come to church and we try to get put together. We come to God in prayer. We think we should be a certain way. We feel bad when we fall or make stupid mistakes or follow addictions that we can't get rid of. We feel ashamed. We hide. The whole point of this prayer is, no. Not just come as you are. We sang, you know, we sang that this morning. Just come as you are. Don't, and that, I think, especially in this day, where there's so much junk, and the, and the church has such a bad rap. Oh, yeah. Like, if we can learn to do that, what a witness. So simple. Yeah, it's so simple. But if we can just learn, like, let's just be ourselves, bring our junk to Jesus, and let him transform it. Yeah. 
Let's not try that ourselves anymore. <laughs> Let's bring it to him. And so there's two ways I think we can apply this today. I think we should be glory seekers. What do you mean? What? How so? See, we're, we're so averse to that. And I think it's because we think of glory the wrong way. Oh, me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. I, if I get glory, then whew, I'm, I'm in good I'm shape, good. right? Yeah. No, I think we should be glory seekers like Jesus was. And it's actually all about resurrection, right? Because Jesus, when he's praying this, the only way, the only way he can throw himself in is if he trusts that when he takes the death of us on himself, that that's going to kill death, and he will be raised to life. Mm. This prayer is a resurrection prayer. And resurrection means glory goes to the Father. And if glory goes to the Father, that means life comes to us. And so that's the way I think we can think about seeking glory. There's two ways I think we can do that. One is right here. Partaking in the supper of the Lord, and not just together in a community like this officially, where we take a sacrament, but rather in our everyday life, seeking that intimacy with God that He gives to us. Because when we do that, if we seek glory by knowing God, then we have something to give to the world. We have something to share, right? The only thing that we can share with the world is the relationship with God that we have. We can't borrow it. I can't borrow it from Wendy. I can't borrow it from my brother. I have to have it myself. And then I have something natural that I can give to others. And so often, I think, when we think of evangelism, think of the works of the church and stuff, it's often forced, right? We think of programs. We think you have to do it a certain way. No. I think just as Jesus was the gift to us, the way Jesus was made and fashioned as a human being, the way he lived life, we are to be given to the world just as we are. That's the gift of evangelism. Paul happened to be an apostle who loved to go out on the streets and just proclaim. I'm less inclined to be that kind of way. If the Lord asks me to do it, I, I probably, you know, I'll do it. I've done it in the past. But the way I operate is much different. But that's still a gift to the world that the world needs in order to bring glory to God. And that only comes through me, as I am, nurturing a relationship with Christ. So that means I'm not trying to become somebody else. I'm trying to actually become the kind of person that God made me to be. And that means radically accepting ourselves as we are. So oddly, what we think is selfish, which is like saying, no, I'm going to actually really accept who I am, mm -hmm. can bring glory to God mm -hmm. if it's done in the way that Jesus is talking about mm -hmm. glory. Here. The world, even the church, fail in that way. We are so self-centered in terms of self-improvement or self-identity and all those things. This is much more about how can I authentically give myself to the world mm -hmm. the way Jesus did? Amen. So, by taking in his body and blood, this is one way of realizing we're just coming as we are, and he's giving himself fully to us. That's the transaction where I think we can seek glory. The second thing that I think is where he finishes his prayer. In verse 11, he says, Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world. Yeah. He knows what that means. But I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So I think the second way we can seek glory 
is to decide in our minds and in our hearts every day that no matter what, this is so hard, every person we know or hear about in God's family, in the church, everyone, no matter how they bug us, no matter how they differ from us, which side of the political fence they are on, what they proclaim is their identity, how they come across on social media, what their social station is, what color their skin is, how educated they are, what their immigration status is, what neighborhood they live in, what clothes they wear, how mature they are, what they eat or drink, where they worship, what language they speak, how much they respect us or agree with us. That doesn't matter in terms of deciding in our minds and in our hearts that these are the people that Jesus wanted. Amen. And therefore, that colors everything in this other list. Right? I'm not saying about the reality that we all have things that need rebuking, correcting, changing, transforming. We're all broken. We have sins that are absolutely wrong. I'm not talking about just let that go. I'm saying our primary way of relating is to be one. Amen. Yeah. And we have to be protected by the name of God in order to do that. If we're out there on our own or we're vulnerable, we're not going to give somebody else that unity. We're going to try to protect ourselves. But if we know that the power of God's name is over us, we can welcome anybody. Amen. We don't have to correct them, change them, and everything. The Spirit of God can do that in them. But we can actually have the attitude in our minds and hearts that we are one with Him. Mm-hmm. What a difference that would make. This doesn't mean canning the truth and kicking it out the door. This means actually owning it right in the center of it and with the courage to be able to come close to people. That's where we hear the stories we love the most. So we should be glory seekers, just like Jesus was. Jesus, after this prayer, went to the cross. He faced the, the horror of that. And as he died, he said, it is finished. I imagine, I imagine him in that moment seeing the reality of you, me, and you, and you, that we're his. Yeah, it's finished. Nothing can turn this around. And three days later, that was proven to be true. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to go the distance to bring us home. Thank you that the emotions you felt are similar to what we feel for those we love. Even though we rebelled and ran away from you, you snatched us, ran back to us to bring us home. Thank you that you wanted that kind of glory. And I pray that we might want it as well. I pray this in, in your name thankful for you. Amen. Amen. Uh, you can go downstairs and grab kids that are down there and bring them up. And uh, at this time, also, we'll take communion. Do we have somebody here to serve the communion? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. That'd be great. Well, we'll begin the songs when everybody's up here and you have a chance for people to continue <laughs> worshiping in songs.